G'day everyone, welcome to yet another edition of the F1 Armchair Experts podcast. My name is Dirko, your host, and as always I'm joined by my co-host on the little island we call Ireland, all the way over the other side of the world, Big T. This is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix round for the podcast. Big T, you know what to do, smash the buttons on that desk and play the music. Okay, man. So, what's the first thing we're going to talk about? Um, what did well, you think of the race? Like, what, 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 what did you think of the race? Let's 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 before we get into the nitty gritty of it, like just as a as a fan watching Baku, sitting back, we were both. It's kind of late night for you. It's midday here on Sunday for me. What did you think? What was just your general thought of that race? Yeah, look, I thought it was a typical Baku race, it was a typical Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Look, it was a war of attrition for the Ferrari cars in, in terms of the, at least the Ferrari power units. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't the most exciting race in terms of challenging overtakes, flat-out driving. Wow, well, look what he did. Um, I wasn't exactly on the edge of my seat. But it was just more interesting to see, as I said, a war of attrition for the Ferrari power units with the... I mean, both Ferraris going out, obviously... Uh, Junior went out with a hydraulic issue. Chuck went out with a completely blown engine. Um, I think K-Mag potentially cooked his. Um, and then God knows what happened to to, to uh, Guan Yu Zhou. Sure. He just got told, mate, we've got to bin the car and he, he parked it up on in the, in the uh, Alfa Romeo garage. But it was interesting to see. I, I was pleased at least Stroll didn't finish the race, only because I can't stand the bloke. Um, but for the Ferrari power units, I think it was just a real test of have they dialed them up, if they if they turn the, the, the dial on the Marshall amp to 11 just to get the most power out of them and just see what they can break them at this mm. this far into the season. Because, I mean, you know, it's, we've still got a few races to go and I'll just be interested to see what they can come back with and say, okay, right, we've... we've Hit the Plimsoll line. We know where we're going to sink. We know how much water we can put in the bucket with these with these engines to absolutely bust them and see what happens. So maybe they've done. It, maybe it's a strategic thing for the Ferrari engines to just to say, right, we've gone this far. We've got to get through the rest of the season with limited resource in terms of MGUKs, MGUHs, engines, exhaust, power units turbo kits, whatever you've got, we've just got to balance out the rest of the season. Um, we've gone hard and fast and it's paid off, but has it really paid off? What's your mm. thoughts, T? In terms of the race, I would not I would not have said it was a typical Baku race. Um, I think in the past we've had a lot of, you know, safety cars, unpredictable finishes, some kind of, you know, last lap incidents. We all know what happened to uh, Verstappen last year. I think it, uh, his race engineer even alluded to it there in, in this race that, you know, keep his head down because even in the last couple of laps things could change. I wouldn't say it was the typical Baku race. I think it was very safe. Um, 
it was a bit parady, to be honest. Um, I was kind of more focused. I was really focused on Ricardo this race to see where he would land in qualifying, how he'd do in the race. Um, it was okay. It was, it, again, it was... Uh, I, I was kind of more about... Uh, how does this race tie in with previous races? Well, again, Sainz um, finishes up his race within the first couple of, you know, within the first stint um, through no fault of his own this time. Um, but out of yeah. the six races that he's raced, he's only finished three. Um, so, you know, it's three DNFs that he's had so far. We've seen Ferrari again um, explode. Um, not just in the main Ferrari works team, but in Alfa Romeo and Haas as well. So they've clearly got a, a technical issue there. Um, it, it There's a lot of similars. Latifi, Williams, Williams having trouble even before they got they got to the to start the race because of a uh, under investigation for rolling the car back after the 15 second um, formation lap warning. Yeah. Um, uh, and then again, I think he was investigated again during the third stint of the race for for ignoring blue flags. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of questions. You know, what 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 is going on at Williams? You know, what what do what do Ferrari have to do? Um, one thing that's very clear and obvious to me though is that Red Bull have clearly got it all together. They've got the full package now. Um, Mercedes seem to be waiting in the shadows um despite the amount of porpoising that that car has um they're still able to achieve results albeit you know russell was gifted p3 today because of the two ferraris retiring but but still they're uh, they're just waiting in the wings now for if they can get on top of that porpoising before silverstone um what's the next race canada isn't it yeah canada and then silverstone yeah, i think um yeah the race today, I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed in it. I think I was expecting more safety cars. I was expecting somebody to bin it somewhere. It was a relatively safe race. Mm. Um, yeah, that's I, 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 I really don't know what words to put to it. To be honest, kind of on the fence about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if you watched the F two race before it, but um, I didn't know. The, the, that was a real race of attrition. That it was just there was it, it's sort of the race at Baku you expect. There was guys going off at you know the the, the chicane through the castle and um, yeah, it was more just a typical race for the police for the F two drivers. Um, the thing I note about the F one race, going back to it at least, is when the race did finish. I'm not sure if you saw it too, but. Lewis Hamilton trying to get out of that car and he was almost looked like he was in crippling pain just sitting on the halo um, just trying to get out of the car and his mechanics were there literally you know hands about to grab him if he fell out because due to park firmates he's weighed in they can't touch him or touch the car mm. but he literally Lewis was at the point he, he was flat out getting out of the car due to the obviously the, the back strain of the back pressure everything's that's going on with that porpoising and you know sky sports at least said that you know some of the the up and down motion is being registered at six g's um that was funny after the race you know obviously there was a quote on autosport 
where Toto's said, you know, Lewis, a great race day considering, you know, you're driving a shitbox car and we're trying to sort it out for you. But really, when when does it come to an end? Why is it the other cars, like the Red Bull, the Ferraris, the McLarens, I mean, they say they've got porpoising, but nothing to what the Mercs got. And I still think is it come down to the, if they go an over-aggressive with their aero package with, with the zero side pod, is it just not working for them? I mean, he said, wasn't there a comment on the radio near the end that he had said that uh, the the seat had gone cold? Um, and I don't think that was down to yeah, liquids so, or, or yeah. air. I think I think that was down to the nerve the nerve endings in, in the bottom of his back, in his backside, in the top of his legs, just to the point that he's just gone numb that uh, maybe a, you know maybe a blood flow issue something like that that's generally when you when you enter a state of shock or the body enters a state of shock you feel that cold feeling um or if you've got a circulation issue again that cold feeling so uh i think i said before the race uh in the group um in the race thread that um that this was going to be a physical one um i suspected Mercedes were going to be the worst out of it given the amount of porpoising that they had I think the other teams pretty much managed it I, you don't really see that level of porpoising from any other team Mercedes have it real bad I think what it comes back to man is really to be honest uh, is the, the direction that they've taken with their aero yeah exactly it's their floor it's their side pod set up um, I mean what do they do do they now abandon that go back to their original and then or do they do they do what Aston Martin have been doing and trying to, <laughs> you could argue, copy the the Red Bull? Or like, mm-hmm. what do you do? There's got to be something in there. There's got to be a fix coming. There has to be a fix coming. I mean, that's dangerous. That's a health. Like I said in the the WhatsApp to you earlier before the race, like this is going to be a health and safety issue at this stage. I mean, if if um, if Hamilton is now physically broken from from that race i suppose on one side you could argue well you know they're the best drivers in the world this is the top sport you know they've the drivers oh, back in the the 60s and the 70s the 50s even had to put up with a lot worse um these guys should man up and not be so soft but at the same time um i don't think it's going to get to a point where I think George Russell had alluded to it as well, and I'd been thinking of it there for the last couple of the races. At some point, there might be an accident. At some point, with this porpoising, this attaching and detaching of, of aero, um, it, someone could end up in a real serious accident, you know? Um, you've seen how cars can flip and lift if, if the right amount of air gets underneath of them. Um, if that floor keeps banging the ground, I know we've got the plank, but if that floor keeps banging the ground to the point where the floor breaks, the aero completely detaches, they go to make a turn, there's absolutely no downforce, and then they end up up in the air, flipping over into a corner. Who knows, you know, but um, that's I wouldn't like to see that. So when do, when do the FIA step in and say, mm. look, when? In the interests of occupational health and safety mm. to your driver, to the risk of the other drivers you're competing against, you're running against, mm. to the risk of the car 
you know, flipping off the circuit or crashing in the pit lane or whatever, when did the when did the FIA start to look at the Merck and say this car is undrivable? I think it should be now. I think it should be now. I think Baku now is a, is the perfect example. Most teams have got it under control. The Mercedes haven't. And yet and then you have a driver struggling to get out of the car after the race. Um this is this is the war, warning shot. This is the this is the red 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 light that's going off. Uh, yeah. warning the FIA that they need to do something or or even Mercedes need to do something they need to work a bit quicker obviously they're they're restricted with their um, the budget cap and you know the 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 CFD the wind tunnel things that they can do uh, limited time and all that but um they have to do something now because you you, you could wait another race and it, it might be too late like i said if somebody gets hurt from this There'll be questions asked. Well, why didn't we do something sooner? Why didn't we review it after Baku and give them something else? But um, I think they need a bit more time. I'm sure they have the resources to fix it, but uh, it needs to happen quick, quicker. I mean, you look back to when uh, you know the Michelin short cars turned up to Indianapolis race, and they pulled. Most of the grid, there was six cars left that had, you know, Bridgestone tyres left on it, because Michelin said, "Look, sorry, our tyres not safe for this circuit. You know, there's a risk." Because Ralph Schumacher had a big prang, he bent it into the wall. When do Mercedes, if not the FIA, say, "Look, sorry, we've got to go away and potentially pull out of the next few races"? To can't see that happening. Yeah, I can't see that happening. That's a bit of a tricky one, and I, I, I think that might be a bit of an unfair comparison as well. I mean, you had more teams running those tires in in Indy that time. Um, yeah, true. Where the 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 threat was a lot higher, um, the threat of someone getting hurt or the opportunity, the potential for someone getting hurt is a lot higher. I think this thing with the poor posting is not um, it's not not as severe as the you know the Michelin thing in Indy, but. Um, and you don't have as many teams suffering from it as well. Um, if you look up and down True. the grid, you see elements of it, but Mercedes have it. Mercedes have it bad. I mean, it's 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 just crap. Anyway, look, can we move on to something else? Because talking about Mercedes drives me bananas sometimes. Um, but I think linked to Mercedes we should probably talk about Williams um I put a post up in the in the in the in the group I think yesterday um that got a fair amount of reaction was um it was a simple post it was just a question was Claire Williams really the reason you know was was you know everybody was looking for her head myself included you know I think I I joined I joined that train and I will openly admit that I thought that she was to blame for a lot of what was going on with Williams back over the years. She finally stepped down. They sold the team. Doralton Capital took over. Just Capito just Capito stepped in as team principal. Um Latifi brought some money to the team. They got Albon in there, got him released from his Red Bull contract. And here we are. We're we've come no further <laughs> at all. There was there was there was glimmers of hope earlier in the in the season. But I think now that other teams have kind of got it together, you can kind of see the pecking order there now. And Williams, I'm so disappointed again in Williams. Like, what the hell needs to happen in that team? Um, what's your thoughts? Look, I, I don't think it comes down to, to Claire Williams as the you know, deputy team principal she was when 
when when Frank sort of stepped away from the front line as such, I think yeah, it, it's it's like any team. You can look back and you can look at what, what Joe and Carlo Minardi set up and you know, Ken Tyrrell had set up, and there's always going to be a back market team. But to to blame Claire, I think, is probably too harsh. I mean, she grew up with that family, and her two brothers did. And it was the family business was was Williams Engineering. Saying that, would you bring them back? Would you bring her back? Probably not. <laughs> Why? I wouldn't bring her back, but I wouldn't blame. I would not blame Claire for what is now in position because I mean she's been gone for too long for her now to be blamed for where the team's position is. I think Jos Capito's made a difference. I mean, we've seen that with maybe people going to say, look, it's just sheer good luck that Albon's bagged a couple of points, but mm. um, I think at the end of the day, Latifi's got to go. But as I said to somebody in a conversation tonight about Latifi, they said before Latifi, or I said to this person, what do you think about Lance Stroll you know, getting punted? And he said, you've got to get rid of Mick Schumacher and Latifi before you get rid of Lance Stroll. And I totally agree. They're the three drivers that have got to be sidelined. If any F1 team is going to progress, be it Haas, be it Aston Martin or Williams, you've got to sideline those three blokes. And as Lee Thatcher discussed tonight, during the race he sent a message and said, you know, there's a rumour that Oscar Piastri could go to Williams and replace Latifi. Mm-hmm. Look, what's going to hurt? You know, you know, mm. sidelining for three races. I mean, they've sidelined drivers before. It's not a new notion. It's not a new idea. It's it's been done. Let's do it again. It's going to cost money yeah. though. That's the thing. You know, Latifi's in a Latifi's in a pretty watertight contract, I would say, unless there's a performance clause in there, or unless there's there's got to be some kind of clause in these race driver contracts where, if the negative image or the negative energy from social media, in any way shapes the uh the projection of williams in in you know in a negative way th- th- there's got to be a reason there's, there's got to be a clause there to allow williams to release him from his contract any of the williams posts i don't know like you know for anyone listening to this podcast right just 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 pull up your phone right pull over if you're driving pull up your phone go onto facebook and look for the williams racing page right and look at any of the posts that Williams have put up, right? And they're they're doing their own social media within reason. On Twitter, Instagram, it's the same everywhere. And they're putting up, you know, the the results after free practice, the results after qualifying, the results after the race, and the amount of abuse that Latifi gets in 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 on Williams's own page. Um, the team have to be reading that. They have to be. It's just literally as you're scrolling, it's just constantly Latifi has to go. Why is he still here? Again, time and time again, Albon. Look, Al- Albon has, has beaten him. I mean, Latifi crashed on the, the formation lap on the way <laughs> on the way to the grid in Monaco. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, yeah, you could say money. You could argue, well, he brings a lot of money to the team. I suppose he has finished races. He hasn't really contributed anything. But I agree, he has to go. Um, I I I would struggle to blame Jos Capito because we all know what he's capable of with his rallying background. Um, 
he's he's he might have to be given a bit more time but that time should be given over to um sitting down drawing up a plan rethinking the plan sitting down with Doralton Capital and saying right okay look this isn't working we need to move some people around um maybe that's what they've done they've they've tried to they've tried to work within the budget they've tried they, they've gone for you know um cheaper staff i believe some staff left as well when when williams left when williams when they sold the williams team a lot of a lot of the good staff left it's it's a kind of a thing that we didn't really hear about but there was a there was a bit of an exodus of loyal staff that had left um and you can clearly see it that you know there's there's the inexperience there there's the, that rookie feeling about the team like they're starting over again from scratch okay it's got the williams name down the side of the car and it's got it on the you know, uh, on the race, on the name that they enter into the races with, but it isn't Williams. It it isn't Williams anymore. This is you. We have to start treating Williams like um like Haas. You know, a kind of a brand new team, new pr team principal, pretty much new drivers, new cars, rookie this, rookie rookie um employees. Um, it's gonna take. They like yeah, like you said, they're they're always gonna be a backmarker team. I I can't see Williams moving forward. I I saddens me to say that like but um just can't see them getting out of this anytime soon even with even with piastri in 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 the seat you know i don't think it's going to make a difference i mean you gotta look at what yeah guy Ligier started off with his team and yeah that, that, that was bought out by alan prost and you know pedro Diniz he bought a you know, gazillion dollars of his family's parmalat business um and put parmalat name all over the the, the blue cars and but you know, Diniz, he was a he, he, within himself a, another shit driver. Just he just brought a, a ton of money to the to the team to say, look, you know, mm. I'm buying a seat. Mm. Um, much as what Nick Latifi's doing, which is which is sad. But you know, in, in talking about the cost of drivers getting a seat in a car, there's been discussion this week, especially Vettel. Talking about the salary, or not, not so sal the salary caps. What I want to talk about, you know, talking about the budget cap for teams. Tell me, tell me, I, I, I actually missed it. I, I actually missed this. So, so just fill, fill everybody in on what the, the news or what it is they're trying to push. Because I, I'll be honest, I've been busy this week. I haven't caught up with all the news. So, what's this salary cap about? Well, there's discussion around a salary cap for drivers because they say there's a budget cap for the teams. There mm -hmm. should be a salary cap for the drivers. And what's the cap? Should those two budgets? I'm not. I'm not 100 sure what the amount is, but um, the the discussion comes back to should there be a salary cap on the amount drivers are paid? And I believe there should be. I mean, I've been saying it for years. I think the drivers are. I mean, I'm going to probably get ridiculed here for saying this, but I, I think the drivers are potentially overpaid for what they do. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, the top twenty drivers in the world, but when does it become stupid to pay a bloke fifty million bucks a year to drive in twenty odd races? Okay, I'm going to put my analytical hat on, right? I'm going to put my anal analytical hat on, right, for a second. When you, you say put your the business cap on, are, Tony, I want to hear this. <laughs> when you when you say that, um, I, I look, it, it's it's drilling down into 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 what you're saying. It. When you say the the drivers are overpaid, what's what's uh, Latifi getting paid? 
it might year. be per year through Williams. Probably he, he might he might be on three quarters of William, but he's three quarters of a million. But he's old so man. So less throwing. than a million. So less than a million. Less than a million US. But his old what's, man's what's, probably throwing ten million a year into the what team. Would Vettel, what, what would Vettel or Stroll be on in Aston Martin? Uh, Stroll would be on two or three million a year. Vettel. But then, yeah, his old man owns the team, so it's completely different. Whereas Vettel could be, I don't know, he, he could be on something stupid like 25 million a year, like a million bucks a race. What's Alonso on? What do you think? Off the top of my head, I'd say 30 to 35. Hamilton? He'd be on 50-odd, plus personal endorsements. I mean, and Russell? Really, he'd have to be on 20-odd at least. So, my question then is, what kind of a cap do you put in place? You put in a, a 30 million cap, okay? That just reigns in Alonso yep. and Hamilton a little bit. It makes no difference to the rest of the grid. So what's 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 the point, or is it going to be some somehow scaled? Do you put a cap in on on the on you know the lower end drivers? If uh, you know if it's their rookie year, there's a maximum of five hundred thousand per year. If it's their second year, does that move up? Is it a scaled model over over a period of time? The longer they're in Formula One, the the, the you know it goes up every year. How 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 the hell do you implement a cap like that? On if you th- if you if you take Formula One out of it, and you, you you consider any business any business which has employees. You've got uh, you know. Uh, Senior managers, uh, junior managers, first line assistant uh, supervisors, uh, the ground staff, uh, possibly a CEO, a managing director. How the hell do you do you? How the hell do you manage that and 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 put a cap in that covers everybody? I I would argue that a lot of the team principals would be on as much, if not more, than some of the drivers. But do they really? I mean, at the end of the day, people are going to say, yeah, look, they're worth the money because, yeah, they're, they're driving the fastest cars in the world flat out. You know, they're, they're putting their life on the edge, their life at the risk. But really, why don't you cap it at, hypothetically, you know, 20 races, 5 million a year, cap it. If you can't live off 5 million bucks a year, you don't pay to go anywhere. You don't pay for a single meal. You don't pay for any clothing. You don't pay for shit. Cap it at five million. Like tonight, you know, Verstappen's won the race. Sure, okay. Red Bull agree there's a bonus there of two hundred fifty grand US for a win. You get a second place podium. You might get one hundred seventy five. You get third place. You get hundred thousand as a bonus. Do a do a performance incentive bonus rather than say right a max. You're on sixty million bucks for the year, and we'll work it out at the end of the season what your bonus is. I think it 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 just becomes it just outprices everything. I mean, you've got to look at the mechanics. I mean, the mechanics are on absolute pittance compared to what the drivers are, and they're mm. the guys that are doing all the work. Where is it fair coming back down the line to the guys on the floor for what they're doing? I mean, sure, I'd love to go and do it. And I'd probably do it for free if I had half a chance. But any driver that's getting, you know, 50, 60 million bucks a season, it's just insane. I mean, 
you know, Vettel, uh, not Vettel, Alonso came out and said, you know, you got to think about, you know, bloke like myself, you know, I've got to live off 20, 30 million bucks a year. Well, what are you spending it on? It's just, I, I think there has to be a salary cap. Is Vettel arguing that the, the, the cap shouldn't shouldn't come into place or is he saying that it should what's what's where is Vettel on what was vo- what, what was he vocal about uh, Vettel's against the cap he says just pays what we're worth mm. sure have a have a cap on the budgets for the teams but for me as a driver you pay me what I'm worth otherwise I'll just walk away so the likes of Vettel Alonso Hamilton all those that are probably upskirting around the 30 to 50 million mark per year are the ones that are going to be most vocal about it because they're the ones that would stand to lose the most. A driver, like, again, it yep. comes back to what I said earlier, a driver that's at the back of the grid, someone like Latifi or Mick Schumacher or Kevin Magnussen, who might not be on around the, the million mark or a million and a half, two million, they make it work. They've got nice lives, nice houses, they drive nice cars, they're comfortable, they make it work. You know, um, the the... The opulent end of it, with uh, your you know private jets and your Pagani Zondas and your 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 fashion brands and all that kind of thing. All this, all the cap is going to do really, if they do implement a, a cap on salaries, is just going to squeeze uh, the likes of Vettel, Alonso, uh, Hamilton, potentially Bottas out of the sport. Um, and that's Formula One's way of um, forcing their um, forcing their uh, hand, they're, they're, yeah, they're forcing their hand to make this budget cap work. You know, I you can see a lot of you know a lot of teams. It was something that I wanted to talk about. You know, was this whole budget cap versus inflation? Um, what's what's inflation in Australia at the moment? Like, what what's the percentage inflation? Oh, off the top of my head, about three three and a half percent. So you're not really experiencing what the rest of us are experiencing. Um, we've got inflation in Ireland at the moment of between 7 and 9%. They're saying it's going to be as high as 13% by the end of the summer. The UK are already starting to fall into recession. They're talking about America um, going into something called stagflation. And if that takes hold, then potentially Europe could fall into that as well, where you have rising unemployment and inflation and you know and up in the interest rates is not going to fix anything so you're basically you're you're this stagnated uh, situation where you've no growth in the economy you've no rate rise in gdp and if you look at the co- a country like the uk which houses a lot of um um formula 1 teams um this is killing them at the moment like everything that uh, Christian Horner came out there a few weeks ago and he was bleating about the you know that they were going to have to let staff go and it's it it's real it is real there is no way that these teams are going to operate within this budget cap never, never before we even start talking about the 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 salary cap for the drivers they've got to get their team costs under control the fuel price of fuel price of air travel the price of hotels I can't get a hotel in Dublin. A friend of mine was leaving work. Um, yeah, he was. We were parting ways. We were having a bit of a going out for him, you know, in Dublin. Um, I was supposed to go. I couldn't get a hotel in Dublin for one night for anything less than 260, 270 euro, which is just fucking madness. I, I could have flown to Italy and spent three days in Italy 
and flown back for less than what it would have cost me to, to spend one night in Dublin. And it's and it's the same all across the UK as well. Inflation has gone absolutely mental. And I think, you know, the FIA turning around now and wanting to implement um, or, 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 or is it Liberty Media that want to implement the, the, the salary cap? It, it's I can see it ha- having to happen. It's it's going somebody somewhere has to take a pay cut. This can't work. You know, I know that the salaries weren't included in the budget cap, but the budget cap itself, this 135 million is a bigger problem before we even get talking about salaries, really, to be honest. Well, I just I just googled it. The Australian inflation rate is at five percent, but fuel has gone up eleven percent. Yeah, that's high. I mean, yeah, and it's gone. And it's, and it's going to it's going to continue. And, and I can see why the teams are concerned about the the budget cap because you know, um, Andrew Seidel has come out and said McLaren are going to start to struggle with their budget cap because mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. the cost of because when they set the budget cap, the inflation rate was so much lower, and now it's Absolutely. There was you know, spot. There was no there was no war in Ukraine. There was you know there was no um, yeah. you know the recovery after the pandemic. The global pandemic was was seemed to be okay. Everybody was kind of getting back to normal. Uh, air travel was starting to con- to to pick up again. Um, but even the price of food, we have not seen. I don't think anyone in the world really has seen yet the price of fuel. Mark my words when I when I when I tell you this, and you would know because you work in in with the farming community through your police work, right? But I'm I'm telling you this now, right? The cost of feeding animals in the last two months has doubled, and when those animals end up in the slaughterhouses come September October of this year, the price of meat will double. The price of grain will double. Your grocery bill at the end of the week is going to go up 60%. And I'm not joking. Like, mm. we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it, the real effect of this. So when this really kicks in, the Formula One teams have got, they've got a decision to make. I, I'll ask you a question. Put yourself in the shoes of Andreas Seidel. You're running McLaren. You're the team principal. Okay. You've got your manager's hat on. Yay. You've got a budget. <laughs> you've got a budget. Uh, you've got a budget that you need to stick to, okay? Um, but unfortunately, you're not going to be able to stick to that budget. You're going to miss that budget by, let's say, five million. Let's say you're going to you're going to overspend by five million, okay? It's now June. You're going into the remaining six months of the year. You're sat down with uh, Zach Brown and all the department heads, the finance guy, the the, the marketing guy, the sales guy, the, the 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 engineers, and you have to make a decision. Okay, you and Zach have to make a decision. You're gonna have to cut costs. Where do you shave five million out of the team? And this is a real question. This is actually gonna have to happen in the next few weeks. What would you do? I think it, it it's a it's a tough question, Tone. I mean, it, it comes back to, I suppose, more the European races when they used to talk about the the the, the gin palaces that teams used to turn up with. Now, I think I maybe get into women, but I think the old days of the Red Bull Energy Station have been been because you never see it anymore. They used to turn up with about fourteen semi trailers with this motorhome on it that they'd assemble on the side of the track with a crane and it just became the world's biggest motorhome at a circuit but I think the Red Bull Energy Station has been binned 
you'd cut the motorhomes going to the track straight away that you'd only bring the race gear what's needed for the garage and the main the main staff is that what you're saying have some hospitality stuff as we do when i've been in the paddock in melbourne you walk out of the back of the garage across across the grass and you mm. go to the hospitality unit which is just usually a setup marquee mm. with the team's logo above it it's a very basic setup it, there's minimal mm. there's a cost involved but it, it's bare basics bare minimum no frills how much is that going to save you how much is that uh, of your five million spend how much is that going to save you do you think <sighs> yeah i don't think th- i don't even think you'll be touching a hundred grand of a saving there to be honest not even a hundred thousand you've I mean, still 4.9 I mean, you, million of savings i mean you, you gotta look at the cost of airfares i mean my son at the moment is flying to New York for work, and we bought his ticket Sydney to New York return was twenty two hundred Australian. Now, when I went to the states a couple of years ago, we we flew Sydney LA return for under a thousand bucks. Do you start saying to your drivers, "Look, you might have to fly cattle class and not go first class anymore"? Um, then. I mean, I, I, there is rumours that Vettel does fly cattle class and sits with the mechanics towards the back tail end of the plane just to be one of the mm-hmm. guys. I mean, that, that's never confirmed, but mm-hmm. do you start saying, instead of buying an eight or $9,000 seat for a trip to London, do you buy a eight or $900 seat in, in cattle class and say, right, well, I've saved eight or nine grand there? Mm-hmm. Even for the, you know the top ten people within the team, I mean, the shit, there's a hundred grand saved just on flights. Let's throw it out to the floor. I think anyone listening to this podcast right now, okay, get your thinking caps on. Hit us up in the comments. Start a start a Facebook post in 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 the group, uh, F1 Armchair Experts on Facebook. Strike up a strike up a post. Stick in a comment. Um, let's have this discussion. I would love to know. You know, I, I'm I'm a businessman myself. Um, currently managing director. <coughs> Say no more. Um, but uh, I I would love to hear people's thoughts on um, how you would and 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 I've given the figure of five million right of an overspend. And I, that's not even accounting for uh, the real true rate of inflation. Um, uh, what what are you doing? What's my, what's I just happen to have it here on the desk. It's my gold dollar sign Monaco necklace. Ironically, I had it here on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about salary caps. I thought I'd put my dollar bills. In. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear people's comments and thoughts. Um, how would you shave five million? And that, and to be honest, that five million of an overspend, I don't even think would cover really the rates, the 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 inflation. Like you could say, you know, inflation was you know three to four percent, usually anywhere between two two and five percent, and we're currently running at seven eight. Potentially, we could be thirteen percent um, by the by by the time we get to September. That five million is not is not too far out, I would imagine. Um, but I'd love to know where people think that they're going to get this from. And you know, if I mean, if you think that the way to do this is um, for the likes of uh, Mercedes to fix their porpoising problem, and for you know to to get this fixed, Hamilton's just going to have to take a pay cut. 
he's just going to have to take a pay cut of 5 to 10 million, hand it back to the team, surrender his performance bonuses. To be fair, I don't think he'll be getting money this year anyway. But, you know, is that what needs to happen? Because I'll be honest with you, if you were in Andreas Seidel's seat and you were in having to make this decision or you were in Zach Brown's position where you had to let people go, or Christian Horner, even he alluded to it, that all the new people that he had in the in the engine, the power unit factory, could you now turn around and tell those people, look, we're very sorry, but we can't, either everybody's going to have to take a pay cut and the team carries on, or he's going to have to ch- he's going to have to take he's going to have to take big chunks out of it somewhere. I like I like you said stop stop the trucks going to the track the hospitality cut all the hospitality. It's not about going to sponsors and asking for more money because you you still can't you can't spend that money even if you were to get it because you're restricted by the budget cap. Um you could I would I I would safely say hotels, flights, hospitality would be the first things that the luxury end of things that that would that would have to be get cut but um i know i'm interested in what material and what people think so the team what principles go to the drivers like chico max lewis george any of the drivers and say look you guys have made enough money over time like you're not you're not on skid row just yet i mean you know you've got your private jets and all that stuff do you say to them look things are starting to tighten mm. you have to pull the purse strings in you might have to literally drive pro bono for the rest of the season um, in the interest of the team survival, in the interest of the survival of the sport and those fighting for the championship. I mean, it's starting to get a bit play at the sharp. I know where they can make a saving straight away. They could get rid of Danny Rick. No, I don't agree. Yeah, that, no. that's my next talking point. That's my, that's my next talking point. I want to give but I think the drivers could effectively drive pro, pro bono for the rest of the season. They don't need mm. the money. Um, because as I was trying to say, the you know the championships is getting to the point end. George Russell is starting to catch up to Leclerc and Chico in terms of the points, and Max is starting to get a good run now in terms of he's had some good runs and he's bagged some good results in terms of points. But this could be a tight championship. Mm. But the question comes back to if Chico keeps going the way he's going, and if Max just has some colossal failure and, you know, DNFs potentially three races during the rest of the season. Is Christian going to say, or is, more to the point, is Helmut Marco going to allow Chico to fight Max for the championship? How would we know? If, well, it's a, it's a complete unknown. I mean, it's, especially if potentially Russell and Leclerc keep, you know... I mean, Saturday George is now referred to as Mr. Consistency, but if, you know, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, if if Ferrari can work out their engine issue and sort Chuck out with an engine that is more reliable and isn't turned up to 11, maybe Mm. Leclerc can keep bagging points and Red Bull maybe turn that pseudo Honda engine up too loud, it may start blowing up. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah. So the final thing I, I, I want to talk about, the final thing I want to discuss is obviously we saw it in the race and there was a few comments made in, in the race chat. Is 
the relationship between Ricardo and Lando Norris over. I think Why? it's I think it's definitely strained. Um because there was just there was discussion between the engineers and the, the drivers during the course of the race. Look, I, th- I think I'm up to speed. I'm up to speed here. I can do this. I can do that. I can get around him. Yes, if Alonso is driving flat out, I can get in front of Nando. But then Norris was told to hold station and not go around Ricardo in the last couple of laps, even though he did appear on paper to be the quicker driver. He was told to just hold station and stay behind Ricardo. Um, I think it's the relationship between Ricardo and Norris is really becoming strained. And I think it's going to come back to there's going to be some massive coming together with those two at some stage and they're going to take each other out. And I don't know what, well, I don't know what comes of it, but I just think the relationship between those two drives is completely strained at this stage. I would say it's more strained uh, between Ricardo and the team but then I, I, I wouldn't particularly... I, I wouldn't think Norris particularly gives a damn, really, whether Ricardo is there or not. Um, Norris is there for himself. He's a very different entity. Um, I, I don't think Norris and Ricardo have that same that same chemistry that uh, that we've seen Ricardo have with some of his teammates over previous years. Um, I would say that I would say I would say that it's it's between Ricardo and the team is where it's become strained. Um, Norris is doing a great job. There's no question even today that he could have gone quicker. He could have beaten Ricardo, which makes it all the worse for me knowing that Norris could have passed him at the end. Um, now it was a good result for the team. You know they got uh, P8 and P9, um, but the fact that the two Ferraris had retired. Um, you could argue that it's you know it's P ten it's P eleven, um, now, is it all Ricardo's fault? Is it any part on the team, or is it like what I was alluding to earlier? This whole contract between McLaren and Mercedes with the power units, because Mercedes in t- I know this is tinfoil hat now this is conspiracy theory you can call it what you want but I, I I I know in my bones that this is I know it I know this exists there is a clause in that contract somewhere with that power unit exchange and Mercedes works team have engineers within the McLaren team to manage the power unit whether it be back in Brackley or whether it's at the track that I'm not a hundred percent sure on but. There is um, there is definitely something in there that prevents McLaren making Mercedes look bad, whether it's in terms of performance on track, uh, top line speed, whatever it is. There is no way in this world that Mercedes would allow they would not even allow McLaren to to beat them, um, and have both cars in front of both of the Mercedes works teams. And given that Mercedes um, have an issue with their with their um, with their aero, right? It just doesn't make sense to me why McLaren are where they are because you know in testing they had a mighty package, um, they had mighty speed. They had, they, they they were we were tipping them back in testing to be somewhere near very very close to the front, even potentially mixing in with the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, but um, they just seem to be stuck there at p9 p10 
which is kind of net where they kind of would be if Mercedes have something in their contract to prevent McLaren making them look foolish. So my question here is, okay, we're very heavy on in terms of critique on, on Ricardo at the moment, but is it justified? I don't know if it's justified. Um, the, the cars finished the race, you know, within a second of each other today, the two McLarens. It showed that even with a split strategy, uh, virtual safety car, they were able to pretty much cross the line together. Is there any real massive difference in the drivers? Or is that only did that only happen because team orders took place? It's a bit of... Um, I was kind of... Um, I suppose I was a bit heavy on Ricardo up to now. I did say in an earlier podcast back in, I think, April, that um, I would give Ricardo until Silverstone, and I will continue to wait until Silverstone so to give him the benefit of the doubt but he's got to start showing some results I think he did a solid race today I think he I think the strategy probably went against him because he started on the hard tyre so he was kind of he was trying to get the life out of those tyres and then he got lucky under the virtual safety car to move switch to the mediums but the mediums he just couldn't switch those mediums on the the, the harder tyre was definitely the harder tyre up and down the right up and down the the the, the pit lane um, the, the harder tyre was definitely the better tyre to be on so hard to blame Ricardo at the moment if I'm honest I think I'll give him another couple of races but I suppose my question to you is do you think has he done enough to win the fans over I know you made an interview there yesterday saying that he's gonna he's committed to the team until the end of 2023 and he wasn't going anywhere and you know he was gonna try and pull his socks up do you think he's done enough after Baku? Watching the Baku race, I think he has. Like he's, I think he's potentially tried to keep Norris at bay um, because the one comment he made to his engineer on the radio was, um, "If this is all Lando's got, you know, give me a chance to get round him, and I can really have a fight because I've got some fire in the belly this race." So whether since Monaco he's he's gone away and found a bit more fire in the belly to to deliver, I don't know, but I, I think he's turned up this weekend with more uh, gusto to want to deliver a better result, and I think he has. L- at least he's come over with some points, um, albeit probably the attrition of the Ferraris has helped them. Um, I, I think maybe we're going to start to see Ricardo come back again um, yeah I, I, can, I can only have for his sake especially if he's going to you know, continue through to 2023 staying with the McLaren team for a, th- a third season in mm-hmm. a row um, th- that's all I can hope so that's all I want to discuss this week Tane we're off to Canada next week and um, yeah I want to take track. one issue up with David Croft, who says that we're going to another street circuit at the Circuit de Gilles Villeneuve, um, which it's not. I've been there, I've driven it. It's not a street circuit. It's a dedicated island that was built for the World Expo. Wait, 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 wait. Rewind, rewind. Hold the fuck up. Back, 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 back. You've driven the Canadian circuit? Yeah. Or is this the camper van story? Oh yeah. yeah, it's the same. It's the old story. I just keep rehashing it. You know what I'm like. 
For anybody listening, what episode did we tell that story in? Uh, we told that story, didn't we, about you driving a camper van around the Canadian circuit? Was it was one of the was it around the first Montreal one? circuit? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the first. The fir- if you go back and look for the inaugural podcast, the very first episode, I think uh, I think we covered this. Yeah, it was very uh, very entertaining that story. So, uh, how did you find the? Uh, what was the? What was the poisoning like in the camper van in in Canada? Yeah, driving the uh, the E four fifty Ford wasn't too bad actually. A few of the plates and cutlery and cups and saucers probably got smashed from me cornering the camper van too fast. But, um, but no, I, I think if David Croft thinks that's a straight circuit, then he's his head examined. It's a dedicated circuit. Mm. Um, mm. It's a it's a proper race circuit. That's that's all I can mm. say. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking okay. forward. I've, I've I love the Canadian race, and you know it's it's a dreadful, god dreadful hour for me to wake up. But uh, yeah, I haven't haven't missed one for about thirty years. So uh, you'll be I fine. just love it as a race. I'm looking forward to a cup, cup of coffee and a, and a bit of marmite on toast, Vegemite on toast. You'll be fine. Yes, Vegemite in the new kitchen we've built, so that'll be good. Oh yeah, the new kitchen. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, right, I think we're going to wrap things up there. Um, I, that was Baku. Um, in terms of the podcast, we'll catch up with you guys next time after Canada. Um, I don't think we're going to do one in between because I think Canada's actually next week. Is it? Is it next week or is it? A, is it a one week break is. or a two week yep. break? Yeah, it's next week. Yeah, there's only one a week, week break. So, yeah, so the guys have to pack up now. They're you know get every, get all their equipment over to Canada, and then um, yeah, we'll we'll talk after that race. I don't think we're going to do one before unless something comes up in the media that uh, requires our discussion. But like I, like we said earlier, guys, if you've got something that you'd like us to talk about, um, please leave a comment below this post on the Facebook group. If there's something you don't agree with, again, just leave us a comment. Strike up a conversation. We'd love to hear your comments. And um, going back to the, the budget cap uh, question, just let us know how you would go about shaving five million out of a race team mid-season um, with this whole inflation problem, um, or would you go to the FIA and say, or go to Liberty Media and ask them for a five a five million increase? Um, that's possibly another mm. way of doing it. So, yeah, I think we should wrap up there. Have you any last uh, final words, Durko? Uh, not from me, T. Thanks for your input tonight. It's always good to chat, as usual, after a race and we mm-hmm. take loggerheads with the, the big issues. We've managed to do it without yeah. any technical issues this time. We've managed to do it all in one recording. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a And I'm back sign. at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> We're both back at the desk. We, we did it last week in our cars um, on our phones. So, yeah, it wasn't... Uh, so, yeah, apologies for if you're listening to the last the last version of the podcast. Anyway, it's a it's a... It's a goodbye from me. And it's a good night from him. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. See you, Bye, everyone.